Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. You know, being led by our kids in worship, just a reminder that as the Father looks at our hearts, what He desires is childlike faith. And just the often hit with that reality, the, the journey of spiritual formation and spiritual maturity is really a return to childhood. We grow strong physically, but, but uh, God calls us back to that place of sweet, simple trust in Him as our Heavenly Father. And He is faithful, isn't He? Well, thank you for being here today as we, as we continue our Christmas celebration in this series, The Way Home. And the idea here that we're, we're following is this Christmas, we all long for home, but there's one really home for the heart, and that is living in the presence of our, our God. And it flows out of a promise that is profound. Last week we looked at it, and I encourage you to, throughout this Christmas season, spend some time just resting in this. We'll read it again. It's... it's uh, in the Gospel of John, Jesus huddles with his followers just hours before he's arrested, and he gives us this promise, John 14, verse 23, anyone who loves me, so he's assuming relationship, a love relationship that we've entered into with him by faith, will obey my teaching, and it's the idea of will obey my word, will long to please me, my Father will love them, and we will come to them and make our home with them. And the reality is when God makes his home in a human heart, we're home at last. The, the home that we long for, the connection, the belonging, the rest, the, re, the refreshment, all that we look to in home is found in one place ultimately, and that's in our relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. And this is the promise that, that we're stepping into this Christmas season we're, taking, we're following a prayer path. Each week we're taking one more step. And so today we'll take another step. But last week I heard a Dad share that one of our legends in, in terms of just following Christ in our church family was Tom Maxey. Tom's now with the Lord. But if you met Tom, he was the kind of guy that after you've spent some time with him, you're like, I just want to be like that guy. He loves the Lord. He had a love for life too, a vibrancy. where like he, I remember he introduced me as a kid to the uh, Mushroom Swiss Burger at Hardee's, and he loved that so much, and I continue to love that, and I think of Tom, simple things, but also the way he just loved his wife, Minnie, Minnie Mac, he called her, and cared for her all the way to the finish, and loved his family, church family, community. We, as kids, we would, when the church would get together for social events, like, and there'd be a volleyball game going, Tom was the guy that would call the kids over. The competitive people are like, nah, you gotta be 14 to play, but Tom's like, nah, come on in here, and he just made you feel welcome in his being with him, and he had patience. I, he was invited me over and hired me to mow his lawn. I'd never did, did a uh, riding lawnmower, and I remember popping the clutch again and again, taking probably 10 years off the life of his riding mower, but he turned me loose in his backyard and made me feel like I was doing him a favor. What was his secret? When you get around those, someone like Tom, what is it that, that how does the, the love and life of Jesus Christ flow from them in a way that just makes you feel like, I've been with the Lord here? It's here. 
The secret is the presence, the abiding presence of Jesus Christ was his passion. One thing, that, that he would step into this reality that God has made his home with me. And to live in that. And that's what we're stepping into this Christmas season. Last week, we uh, took the first step, which was as we meet with the Lord in prayer, to meet with Him as our Savior. And just to step into that sweet reality that the one that, that makes His home with us is our Savior, meaning he, His desire is to rescue us. He's made that possible through what He did for us on the cross. And last week, if you weren't here, I encourage you, go, you can go back and listen to that. We looked at Psalm 130 as our our prayer guide in this, but really to sum it up, it's where we kneel before him and we see, his, we see the cross and what he did for us on the cross, taking our sin upon himself, dying in our place so that through faith in him we could be forgiven. We see the nail scars in his hands, but, but we know that that wasn't just a then and there event, that's a now. Like as we meet with him, his love for us is just as real and he continues to rescue us as he makes us more like himself and and uh, and. We look forward to this ultimate salvation as we're with him. So the, the action step out of that is confession. And we talked about that last week where confessing is just um, as we meet with him as our savior and realize his love for us, it just naturally moves us to confess anything that would be hurtful to him and let him purify our hearts. And he's faithful to do that. So that was step one. Step two this week we're taking is to kneel before him as our king. And I'll, just to preview where we're headed, as we kneel before him as our king, our fitting response is to honor him. And then the life impact or the, the, um, the result of honoring him as king is he fills our soul up with courage to go do and be what he's called us to do and be and, and live out our unique life mission with courage. And so we... Uh, who is this one who promises to make his home with us? Who is he? Israel was waiting for a king, waiting for a Messiah. There's 700 years of silence from the time the Old Testament stops. And then when the New Testament picks up with Matthew's pen, 400 years. And what's the point of Matthew's gospel or the account of the life of Christ as, as Matthew writes it? You remember what his theme is? The king is coming. The king has come, and his name is Jesus. He opens it up, chapter 1, with the genealogy, and what's the point of his genealogy? Trace it back to King David. Jesus had royal blood. Chapter 2, he opens it up, and what's his spotlight on? A band of royal travelers, magi, coming from a kingdom somewhere out there to uh, Israel, to Jerusalem, and what was their question? You remember? Where's the king of the Jews? We'll pick it up in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. It's Matthew chapter, uh, yeah, Matthew 2, verse 1. It says, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is this one who has been born? King of the Jews. We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. King Herod, when he heard king, <laughs> you know how your dog knows about five words, and when they hear that word, like for Riley, Monday afternoons I, I fix up chicken for the week, and I always give Riley a little chicken treat for her supper that night. And when I say, hey, Riley, ready to grill up some chicken? It's like chicken. 
When, when Herod heard the word king, he's like, king? Threatening my power? King of the Jews? I'm king of the Jews. What are you talking about? And so he huddles the, the, the uh, religious leaders who knew the law of Moses, the teaching of the prophecies. He's like, hey guys, what's the prophecy say? Where's this king going to show up? And what was the prophecy? Bethlehem. Sure enough, star goes up over Bethlehem. The, the magi follow it there. It says, uh, verse 10 of chapter 2, When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother. And they, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and they presented him with gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. King, is this child in Bethlehem king? Well, we know as Matthew's gospel plays out, moment after moment, we see the conflict of power. The kings, the little kings, K of this earth, trying to control the king. And he would not be controlled. He taught with an authority that they did not have. He had authority over death. When he told death what to do, when he told the uh, forces of nature what to do, they listened and obeyed him. And finally, when the power people of this earth felt threatened enough, they silenced him with a cross. And who, who is it that tells us who put what was written on the sign above the cross? is Matthew. Remember what the sign said? King of the Jews. But there was only one problem with that sign, right? It wasn't big enough. He, he was not only the king of the Jews. He was king of kings. And when he laid down his life, gave up his spirit, the centurion, the soldiers standing nearby, they connected the dots. Matthew chapter 27, verse 54, And when the centurion and those who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake, Saw, saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. And when this king laid down his life as a ransom for your soul and for mine, three days later, he did what he said he was going to do. He got up from the dead, victorious over death, victorious over the power of sin. Met with his disciples on a mountain, and what does Matthew Remember, what's Matthew's point? It's to tell us, guys, 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 this king you were looking for, he, his name is Jesus. What's he tell us? Last conversation Jesus has with his followers, what's he say to them? Matthew 28. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. What makes a king a king? What's common of every king? If you are a king, you have what? Power. Authority, Right? What is a king is someone who has, boil it all down, one thing, power. And he said what? All authority. All of it has been given to me. And then he looks at you and me and he says, now, go make disciples. Go make disciples, baptizing, teaching. But what's the last thing the king wants us to know? Last thing he wants us to know, last words of the book of Matthew, the book written to remind us, this is the king, what's his last word to you and to me? 
I am with you always to the end of the age. Did somebody need to hear a little good news today? If you belong to the King of Kings, if you love Him and you are following Him, He promises, I will make my home with you. Set it there, set it here. And this is a reality. The question, are we living in it? Are we awake to it? Are we stepping into the joy of it? And that's the path, the, the pathway home. As we kneel in the presence of the King, it's just to awaken again to this sweet, sweet reality. Let it hit our soul, change us, and then move us to, to what He's called us to. So to do that today, for the rest of our time, we're going to use uh, Psalm 24 as the path that we will follow. Psalm 24 is one, of, one genre of the Psalms is you could call them royal songs, but they're songs that help us step, understand the, the royalty of God and, and worship Him in that. So we are going to, to honor the Lord as we uh, work through Psalm 24. And the, uh, this is a psalm many scholars feel this was written by David for when they brought the Ark of the Covenant back to, to Jerusalem. Now, the Ark of the Covenant represented God's visible presence. Uh, presence with the people of Israel, and it's often where his Shekinah glory or his, the tangible, uh, the smoke, the fire would appear there at the Ark of the, the Covenant. And so we'll kick it off, start reading in verse, verses 1 and 2, and we'll discover three truths that, that we can carry with us as we honor him as our king. The first truth we see there in verse, verses 1 and 2, verse 1, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it the world, and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Who is this king who promises to make his home with us? He's king over all creation. And as you kneel in his presence, as you have your daily meeting with him, and as you get, go throughout the day and reconnect with him, this is one of the truths, just to kneel and, and remember, he's he is sovereign over all creation. And don't you love the way the psalmist puts it? Like, everything. The earth is the Lord's. Everything in it, the world and all who live in it. All these small K kings, all the powers in your world, you know, whether it's your boss or whatever it is. He's, he's king over all of this. He is Lord over all of this. He owns all of this. Every atom in this universe owes its, its existence and its allegiance to the to the one who promises to make his home with us, our king. So what's our fitting response? It's to honor him as king over all creation. And this is where we just, as we kneel before him, we just remember and we reflect back to him the praise and, and the glory and the uh, adoration of, Lord, you made all that is. And, and as we look at it and experience it, enjoy it, that, that we just say, Lord, we praise you for this. We thank you for this. And we honor you in this. Um, I found Sabbath is really important for this. As we do work six days a week, often we're moving at such a high pace that it's hard to just stop. Our daily meeting's a good time to do this, but just to just stop and look around. And simple things like a, the maple tree out back, right? And just to worship God as we see he's the one who makes that tree grow. And, you know, you think about, I was thinking about how he time lapses his glory in the different ways that atoms um, get together and then expire. 
And so take a, uh, take a rock or, or solids. And God has created solids so that they'll stay still and we can look at them and appreciate him and give him glory. For a rock, it doesn't move. You just look at it and you can see it and really study it and give him glory. But take water. It's moving, rippling, changing. And, and there's glory in that. Take a, the wind and the gases and stuff. And like he, puts, he animates creation. A leaf has a time-lapse glory of about six months. It shows up, photosynthesizes, grows on its own. It, it turns uh, orange and, and beautiful colors over about three weeks, so God puts lets those atoms time-lapse his glory for about three weeks, gives us the eyes to see it and glorify in that, but as the wind comes, the wind time-lapses his glory in moments, right? I mean, it's here, it's gone, but it's, it's animating creation, and then take liquids and those types of things that God, water, you know? Like, he makes water, and he, he drops the temp down to 32, and then turns it to a solid so we can admire his creation in, in like, frost and frozen. And we've made a movie out of it, you know, and you watch Frozen, and you're like, that's beautiful, but God's doing that beautiful frozen thing all over the world, most of which no human eye will see, but much of which we do. And it's like, oh, one of the most beautiful sounds I've, I've ever heard was, when we had that ice storm several years ago, and Chad and I were jogging out to the church to check on things, and the, the uh, weeds were frozen, and everything was frozen, and when you'd kick a weed, the weeds, it'd go, and play a symphony of frozen melodies that, like, this is from another world. King of creation. And we kneel before him, and we worship him in this, and what's the result on our soul? What's the life impact? It's courage to live out our unique life mission. If he is overseeing all this, he just reminds us, I got, I got it. I got your life. The early church was in a season of, they were feeling the threats of the, uh, the religious leaders, the power people, and they had put you know, Peter in prison, and Peter gets out. And remember what the church does in Acts chapter 4. They start praying, and what's their prayer? If you, I encourage you to read it on your own. The subject of the prayer is this. Sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth. You made it all. And then he says, and you even set these people up, Herod and Pontius Pilate. You gave them their positions and, and all that they did in crucifying Christ was still under your control. Now, consider their threats and give us boldness that we might speak the word of God. Speak what, what you give what a witness that Jesus is the king, and God gave them the boldness to do that. King of all creation, as we kneel before him and remember, he is king of all, gives us courage to, to live out our, our mission. Don't you love, back to the Christmas story, that God uses a star to lead these people, these uh, magi, to, to the king of kings? Like, he takes a star, you know, something in nature, and just moves it over, and I love the I can imagine them meeting with Herod and, and like, hey, we've been following this star. Where's the king of the Jews? And Herod's like, king of the Jews? I'm king of the Jews. And these guys are all looking at each other, and what are they thinking? Where's his star, right? <laughs> he, he doesn't have a star. And don't you love it that he, he uses non-Jewish people? Like, who are these guys? We still don't know. Who are these magi from the east? We don't know. And what's, what's the Lord saying? He's not just king of the Jews. He's king of all people. This guy's coming 
coming over. And when Jesus begins to reveal his identity as the king of kings, don't you love it? How What's he start to do? Take the laws of nature and go bend them? You know, when the storm was there on the, the boat and he tells the winds, be still. And they listen to him and he just bends that. What happens to his followers? They hit the the ground in worship, and so it is for us as we remember. He is king of all creation. We honor him in that, and then we gain courage to live out our life mission. All right, second truth we see in, in uh, Psalm 24 is in, uh, begins chapter 3, I mean, I'm sorry, verse 3, where David says, who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The truth here is this king calls us to holiness. And this is where we really feel the tension in the text and also the tension in our own lives. So we understand who, who this king is and the fact that he is holy, perfect in every way, and, and deserves perfect worship. It's like, who can stand in his presence? And we know that we've all offended him, and we know the penalty for, for our sin is separation from him, which is death, and we don't deserve to be in his presence. And I can't help but think David was flashing back to that day that, that uh, he was so excited to bring the Ark of the Covenant back to Jerusalem because it represented the presence of God. And he, uh, he went and got the Ark, but he put it on an ox cart, which in the law of Moses, there was a specific way God told the people, his people to carry this Ark, which represented his presence, which was on poles carried by Levites, and he just put it on an ox cart. The ox stumble. A guy named Uzzah reaches out to steady the, the ark, which you would think would be a reverent thing to do, but it was actually irreverent. And he was killed. God killed him immediately. And David's like, I don't want the ark in my presence. I'm not, it's not safe here with me. Because who can stand in the presence of a holy God? And it, the text says David was angry and afraid, and he, he sent the ark to a guy named Obed-Edom's house. You can read about it in 1 Samuel, which I'm sure Obed-Edom was like, thanks. <laughs> but, uh, but actually, Obed, um, God was pleased with him and, and uh, blessed him for three months. Blessed everything in his house, and his flourishing gives David courage to bring the ark back to Jerusalem. And what's really neat is you read the account in 2 Chronicles 15, the, uh, or I'm sorry, First Chronicles 15, verses 13 to 15. David says, all right, guys, this time as we bring the ark to Jerusalem, we're going to have the Levites carrying it. We're going to do it the right way before God. We're going to honor his word. And who can stand in the presence of the, the Lord or in his, um, in his holy place? And we see there in verse 4, he answers the question, the one who has clean hands and a pure heart. Clean hands meaning does right things. A pure heart, we're doing the right thing before God with the right heart. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. But again, we say, okay, we've all done wrong things. And how do we, what, what is the, the word of God on how to enter his presence? And this is where we preach the gospel to ourselves again, isn't it? There's only one way to enter the presence of a holy God. And that is through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Faith in Him and what He did for us on the cross. The cross is our hope to enter the presence of a holy God. But not only the cross, 
But the perfect life that Jesus lives is our hope. When Jesus said no to temptation, no to wrong, and did everything right with the right heart, we get credit for the right life that he lived when we put our faith and trust in him. And so the righteousness of Christ is our righteousness as we live by faith in him. So here it comes, you guys, as we kneel before a king that calls us to holiness, how do we honor him? By trusting Christ as our righteousness and pursuing holiness with all our heart. We don't do right things to gain his favor. We've already gained his favor through faith in Christ. We do right things out of love for him. Holiness is really saying, there's one thing I want in my life, and that's to be like Christ. God has saved me, chosen me to, to be his, and being his, I want to be like him. I want to please him. And we love out of love. We do right things for him. And that's how we honor him. And as we meet with him as our king, we, we kneel before him as king of all creation, but we also kneel before him when we pray, my father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, begin right here in my life. I surrender my, my life and my heart and my will to you. I want to do right things with the right heart. And what's the result? It says in verse 5, they will receive blessing from the Lord and vindication from God their Savior. Such is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek your face, God of Jacob. So, David wants to build a, a temple, a house. And God, it's interesting as you read through the, the Old Testament, God wants his people to be really clear. I don't live in a house built by human hands, just so you know. I'll manifest my presence here, but I am bigger than any house you can build. And they're, they're clear on that. But David, God says, David, no, you've shed too much blood. You're not going to build a temple house for me, but your son Solomon, I'll let him do that. So Solomon builds the temple. The day comes to bring the ark, the presence of God, to the temple. Solomon prays a prayer that's just, it's a prayer of confession, it's a prayer of seeking God's help and asking forgiveness and seeking his presence. And when he's done praying, if you're, it's a moment, in fact, we've got to read it. What happens, it's uh, over in uh, first, oh man, Second Chronicles 7, I could try to summarize it for you, but. Second Chronicles chapter 7. It says, When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priest could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. And when all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they built on the pavement, their faces to the ground, and they worshipped. And they gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good and His love endures forever. This is our God. The presence of our God. It'd be like, Imagining if, if we came to worship one Sunday and this place was full of his visible Shekinah glory, fire and smoke that we couldn't even walk in and we, we fell to our, our faces on the, in the parking lot and worshiped. All right, are you guys ready for some 
Really good news. Where does God manifest His glory today? Where is the glory of God housed today? It's your heart and mine. It's why Paul writes to the people in Corinth and he says over in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, He says, do you not know that your bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, what? Honor God with your body. Holiness is really just, it's the outflow of who we are, right? The temples of the Holy Spirit And Jesus promised, you know, when when I give you this gift of the Holy Spirit, the indwelling presence of God, streams of living water are going to flow from you. The, The idea of life and love and all that God desires to do in this time and place, His manifest glory flowing through us. As, as his temple. Isn't that an awesome reality? And as we kneel in his presence, it leads us to holiness. It also fills us with courage, doesn't it? To, to go be and do what, what he's called us to be and do. On to the, uh, the last, and this is where it gets really good, the last truth, verses 7 to 10. He says, uh, who is this king who makes his home with us? Verse 7 says, lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. So what he's doing here, it's the picture of a, a king coming back from a battle victoriously. And this is his entourage shouting to the, the city that has a walls, and then you get into it through the gates. He's shouting, open your doors, lift it up, that the king of glory may come in. And then the people, the gatekeeper shouts back in verse 8, who is this king of glory? To which the entourage shouts back, the Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. And then the entourage shouts again, lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. And the gatekeeper shouts, who is this king of glory? And then the entourage shouts back, the Lord almighty, he is the king of glory. Third truth, who is this king, of, king that we kneel before and, uh, and worship and honor? Truth number three, he is the king of glory. Now, I know the word glory goes kind of fuzzy abstract in our minds. But here's the, here's the idea that he's getting at. Is, is the one we worship the king of the Jews? Yes, but he's more. Is he king of the earth? Yes, but he's more. He is the king of glory. Meaning what? Glory is that word we use to describe what we value most. What, what's of utmost importance, preeminent, prominent in our life, the thing most valuable to you, what would that be in your life? Most wonderful, most treasured, that's the, the glorious thing, and he is king over that. Whatever it is in this universe, whatever it is that we could value, he is more valuable, he is more wonderful, he is the king of glory, and we worship him in that. Who is this king? who promises to make his home with us. He is the king of glory. (laughs) 
I mean, start, I think it takes a lifetime to let this one fully soak in, you guys. But when this hits our heart, he's at home with you. King of glory, with you, with me, in us. Paul says, Christ in us, the hope of glory. Colossians chapter 1. This is the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory, the glory of God. As we look to Christ being transformed, glory to glory, bit by bit, becoming more and more like Him, that the love and life of, of the living God would flow through us to those around us, accomplishing what He's created us to accomplish, orchestrating us by His Spirit, the body of Christ. He also says to the church, you are the temple of the living God. And so, man, you, you talk about what was I worried about? What was creating fear? Why am I wondering, am I going to make it through this challenge or that challenge? The King of glory has set up his residence in this soul. And what's the life impact? As we honor him as King of glory, life impact is reading down to, uh, the, who is this King of glory? It says in verse 8, the Lord strong and mighty. His power, his might is available to you as you let him be king of glory. As you open your heart to him, yield yourself to him, surrender your life to him, his power is going to flow through you. Isn't that awesome? I was prepping for this message, studying this truth, just as Tyson and uh, Seth were meeting with Kimmy and Lindsay to hand off all the kids' ministry stuff for this next season. And so excited praying over our next season of kids' ministry and all God's going to do. And, and filling the, I, filling the, I was praying for them, and you kind of feel the weight of, here we go. And the Lord reminded me, John, there's only one way, only one way. Any ministry, kids' ministry, this ministry, that ministry, your life ministry, all of us, there's only one way it goes and it wins. And it's by my power. By my power. What's he say in Ephesians chapter 6, 10, right where he gets us ready to go to the fight? Be strong in the Lord and in his what? Mighty power. Who is this king of glory who wants to come into this city? He is the one who is strong. Mighty power, never lost a fight, never will win a fight, and he promises to make his home with us. What was I worried about again? <laughs> Fear, not paralyzing us anymore when he's king of glory, but here it is, you guys. What soul, what city, what country in their right mind would shut the doors to the king of glory? Say, no, 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 king of glory, we're not going to have you come in here and rule. It happened. Jesus says, go get me a colt. I'm going to ride into Jerusalem. Week of passion. He goes riding in. And his disciples start to praise him. And they say, blessed be the king who comes in the name of the Lord. The king is here. Riding into Jerusalem. He could set a kingdom up right now. But what did the religious leaders say? Hey, Jesus, tell your guys to shut up. And what's Jesus say? I'm going to tell them that. If they shut up, the rocks are going to cry out because I rule the rocks. I can make a rock sing. But then, text tells us, 
As he approaches Jerusalem, tears stream. And our Lord cries. One of three times it's recorded that he cries. So he says, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if only you had known what would bring you peace. But you missed it. The time of God's arrival, you've missed it. And in a room this size, I know there's some people here today where your life is a mess, your marriage is a mess, you're full of fear, you're full of, there's addictions, there's this, that, and the other, and it boils down to this, you have shut your door to the King of glory. You said, no, you're not going to rule my life, you can't come in here and take charge It's my life, I know best, and your life is a mess. And I'm telling you, the living God looks down from heaven, and if there are tears that stream in heaven, it's tears over your slamming the door to His desire to be King of your life and lead you into peace. And I beg you today, open your heart to Him. Yes, it's scary. Yes, it feels like dying, but you guys, He's the King. Study it out. If if you, you doubt who Jesus is, study it out. Read the Gospels. He said he'd he'd die. He said he'd come back from the dead, and he did it. History proves it. Those of us who have surrendered our lives to him, we're not perfect, but but we've experienced it. It's reality. There's no better place than, than to be at home with the King of glory. Right? The byproduct of honoring him as king of glory is his strength (laughs) to do life. Who is this king of glory? He is strong and mighty. Well, home is often that place. This time of year, does anyone work puzzles at your house? It's been fun to break out the puzzle. Jesse's our big puzzle worker. And then games, often home becomes an arena for some table games to break out and hopefully peace remains as we uh, battle settlers of Catan and, and uh, Tam always whips us in nerds or uh, solitaire deal. Euchre breaks out and it's fun to connect over games. Well, one, one of the games that's kind of fun is when you get tired of playing games, it's that last game you play, which is the card toss. And you just each take a deck of cards, put a bowl out in the middle of the room and you just start throwing cards, right? And cards kind of butterfly and have their own random way and so the person who has the most cards in the pot is the person who wins so we were playing this game one time with our when our kids were young and uh had a rousing couple hands of this several months later I was up in the living room cleaning the ceiling fan and do you know there's you have those moments when you're not really sure if the Lord is I call them when God winks at you and something happens it's just kind of out of the ordinary and you're like Lord are you uh, trying to get my attention? And if so, I'm listening type of deal. And so as I'm up, it was a pretty chaotic season of life for us. It was um, seasons of change and, and lots going on. And one of those times of life where you're like, Lord, am I still on your radar here? Do you see little me and do you care? And are you, <laughs> you have us time of life. So I'm up there cleaning this. And do you know what I found on that ceiling fan enthroned in heaven over our family keeping watch over our family a card now how in the world does a card stay on a ceiling fan and that's where I'm thinking God you winked it it had to be a miracle right (laughs) and I pick up this card but what impacted me most was which card it was king of hearts Man, I heard the Lord whispering to me, John, 
in this season of change, don't forget I'm king, king of all. Uh, you dropped into this story, you know, a couple years ago, and you'll be here a couple years. It's a story I've been writing, and I got this story. It's good. You know me, it's good. I'm in control, and John, king of hearts, I love you. When you doubt that, remember what I did for you on the cross. See the scars in the Savior's hands. I got you. But then the message came to me as well. Is he king of my heart? Have I surrendered my heart to him? Am I loving him with all of my heart? And today the the calling of God is to kneel before him as our king, remembering king of creation, king who calls us to holiness. He's a king who is the king of glory, strong and mighty, but ultimately he calls us to open the doors of our heart, our life, to him, to let him be king of our heart. And if you've never done that, I invite you to, to make that step. It's a faith step where you simply trust him, receive him as your savior. But it's not a one-time step where this prayer for salvation is a, a one-time moment in the, where we become one of his children. But then it becomes a lifetime of surrendering and opening and yielding our hearts to him as we kneel before him as our king. I thought it'd be good just to, to end our time to, today in prayer and give you a couple moments just to kneel before him and, and in your own words, just express what, what you're thinking and uh, share that with him. Lord, we thank you for your word to us today and the precious promise that that you desire to make your home with us as we love you and surrender to your lead. And so, Lord, we do just open the doors of our heart to you again. We kneel before you as king of creation and just praise you for the, the wonder of your creation all around us this time of year, seeing our children and just remembering what gifts they are and how each life each heartbeat, each, each one of us and all that we experience is a gift of your grace. We thank you for that. We praise you for that. We kneel before you as a king who calls us to holiness. And I thank you for loving us even in our sinfulness and making it possible for us to know you through Christ. And then slowly cleaning us up and calling us up, not leaving us as we are. And we thank you for this journey. Help us to be more and more like you. And then we kneel before you as our king of glory. And uh, we just see you victorious, and we see you seated now at the right hand of the Father. We see you coming one day for us, and we know your promise to a return for those who, who know you, and we, Lord, we pray, come. We can't wait to see you face to face. But in the meantime, we thank you that your might and your power is available to us, all authority, has been given to you and you promise to strengthen us to do what you've called us to do. So help us now as we go to go by your power for your glory and with your love. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. 
If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.